Now let's take our Bibles tonight. I want us to turn to two places. One is John chapter number 12. And you can uh, hold your place and mark both of these. Mark uh, chapter number 14. John chapter 12 and Mark chapter number 14. Continue to pray for Brother Grant's wife, and, and uh, as she is on this journey, they're on this journey, and, and uh, letting the Lord do His great work there. And, and uh, thankful for the power of prayer. Prayer can do anything that God can do. Amen. All right, let's look at John chapter number twelve. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and had the bag, and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Now turn over to Mark chapter 14 and we'll see Mark's account of this same event. Mark 14, beginning in verse 3, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me, ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is, a come, she is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Now, we find this also in Matthew. We won't turn there. 
But Matthew nor Mark tell us the name of this woman. However, we saw her name in John chapter number 12. It's Mary. Mary of Bethany. Mary, the sister of Martha, the sister of Lazarus. In fact, this Mary, and there's many Marys in the Bible, perhaps seven different Marys that you'll find in the, in the Bible. And this particular Mary, however, the sister of Martha, the sister of Lazarus, she's found only on three occasions. Now, she's found in Luke chapter number 10. You find that's where she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha's cumbered about with much serving. She's found in John chapter number 11. That's the incident of Lazarus who was dead and, and Jesus comes and brings him back to life. And then we saw her in John chapter 12 in which Lazarus was brought to life and he's sitting there at a supper in John 12. So those three incidences, someone says, well, what about the other passages? Well, they're synoptics. They're the same story, but it's the, it's the same incident. It just may be in the other book. So only three times Mary is found. And here's the interesting thing about that Mary. She's found only three times in our gospels and she's found in the same geographical posture. She's found at the feet of Jesus. She's found at the feet of Jesus in Luke chapter 10. She's found at the feet of Jesus in John chapter 11. She's found at the feet of Jesus in John chapter number 12. The best seat in the house of serving God is at the feet of Jesus. We're told here, however, that Mary did something. And she did this and committed a social uh, grace. She broke an alabaster box. Now the women in that day... Uh, particularly in that part of the country, were to stay in the background. They were to never be the center of attention. And suddenly she does something that is so unusual and out of the ordinary and such a social area that, that error that people began immediately murmuring, whispering, complaining. And she takes a very expensive bottle of perfume, which would constitute a full years worth of wages, a year's salary for a laboring man in those days. And she breaks that and she pours it on the feet and the head of Jesus. Immediately the people began to criticize her and we read in both of those accounts where Mark and John both, they capture the criticism. Judas calls it a waste. He said she could have sold it and given the money to the poor. Everybody said what she had done was a terrible thing, that she should be ashamed of herself. And you know, humanly, they're right. When you think about it, what she did was about the most impractical, useless thing that a person could do. Perhaps if she had asked counsel from some people who were wiser in those matters, maybe she would not have done it. Of what use was it after this day? She wasted that ointment. She wasted that perfume. At least that's what most around her thought. It served no purpose. It didn't feed anybody. It didn't clothe anybody. Absolutely useless. Seemingly, they were right to criticize her. 
But as I'm listening to Judas and those around, I'm always filled with anticipation and can hardly wait to hear what the Lord says. Jesus says something that probably shocked many. He said, let her alone. She hath wrought a good work on me. Jesus is saying, I think so highly of what she's done. I will never forget it. And I will make sure that you will never forget it. And he said, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what this woman has done will be spoken of as a monument to her. You know, I think that that qualifies as a good act of service because of what Jesus said about it. The Lord is constantly surprising us as far as his analysis and as far as how he uh, determines and assesses a matter. Remember the widow who is giving her offering? It's interesting how Jesus stood by. Young people, are you listening? I'm only going to go through this once tonight unless you want to stay over and we can do it again tonight. It would be better if you get it on the first time through, so stay with me, all right? I've already told Ryan he's going to have to contribute some amens. I've not heard any amens. You're on the amen pew right there, and so we got to get that in, all right? And some of you ladies could figure it out too. Skylar pooching your lip out. Don't do that. You got you to be able to throw an amen in there, okay? Can you do that? All right. There we go. There we go. We get done faster if you do that. You really do. It, it, it works wonders. Remember when Jesus was standing beside the treasuries, the people came. I mean, you've got to help me because these adults aren't doing it. So you've got to help. All right. All right. And um, it, it's, they're, they're giving and Jesus is standing by the treasury and he's watching. And the Lord's standing there and evidently there's a lot of great gifts placed into the offering. So here then comes a widow. Now in the Bible, when you want to describe somebody who's living on the barest of minimums, a person who's more destitute than anybody else, the Bible mentions a widow. And here's this widow. She drops in her two mites, which is less than a penny. And the amazing thing is that Jesus says... She's given more than anyone else. Interesting. It's interesting what the Lord has to say about the things that people do. See, the criteria by which your life and my life are judged is not what you think of it or what people say about it, but what Jesus has to say about it. How would he evaluate your life and mine? It is the desire of my heart to have the kind of commendation that Mary had, that this widow had. I would love for the Lord to say about me, he's done a good work. And wherever the gospel is preached, I'm never going to forget what he has done. And I'll see too that others don't forget it as well. Not because of the recognition of others, but because of Jesus's approval. I want to talk tonight in light of what has taken place, transpired this week with the fall festival and many other acts of service and things that have been taking place. And in our pursuit in experiencing God, I want to preach tonight on how you can have the kind of commendation that Mary had. In other words, what must I do as a follower of Jesus so that he can tell me what he said about Mary. What is it that pleases Jesus? 
Sometimes we have the idea that it's almost impossible to please him. Captain talked about the being in the military and and how you're always working to, to pass the next level and get to the next station and achieve the next rank. And, and he said it's just always an elusive goal. You're always, there's always more to be done. And sometimes we feel that way with God, that it's impossible. It's, we're just going to work and work and work. And it's never going to be possible to please him, especially me, not having the gifts and the abilities that others might have. How much work do I have? have to do? To what extent do I have to go? How large of a sacrifice do I have to make to have the Lord say, I'm pleased. I'm pleased with what you've done and I will never forget it. I want to make just three very simple statements tonight. These are simply the statements that Jesus made. And I believe in these statements you have what I think are the necessary requirements for having our Lord's approval and our Lord's accommodation. You ready? Number one, do what you can. Do what you can. Do what you can. Notice in verse number eight of chapter 14 of Mark, she hath done... What she could. Have you done what you could? What is it that constitutes being good? What makes it a good service? What makes him a good preacher? What makes him a good deacon? What makes him a good Sunday school teacher? What makes him a good church member? And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. That's verse number six. And then verse 8, she hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. That was all that it took to please the Lord. Other people were not very impressed, were they? In fact, other people were critical. I want to ask you, what do you want to live for? The approval of others or the approval of Christ? Never forget that the crowd that you're trying to get their approval, the crowd whose attention you're trying to gain, you don't always know their motive. These were disciples of Jesus who were criticizing. It seemed like a total waste of money, and yet Jesus said, I'm pleased with her. It seemed like a total waste of time, yet Jesus said, This is a good work. See, faithfulness is not determined by how much you do or what you do, but it's determined rather by the opportunity that is placed in your hand. So do what you can. In John chapter 11, Lazarus was raised. In John chapter 12, John carefully mentions that Lazarus is present in the room and Martha is serving. What kind of fellowship service and praise service or celebration testimony time do you think that that supper was? Don't you know that Mary and Martha were just bursting with love and gratitude for what Jesus had done, especially if you were to read chapter number 11, how their heart ached and were were so um, overwhelmed with, with just brokenness because their brother Lazarus had died. 
Now, Martha wants to express her gratitude. Martha somehow has to express the love in her heart for what the Lord has done. And of course, it's very easy for Martha because she's one of those who have perhaps all kinds of talent and ability. And every time you see Martha, she seems to be serving. She's in the kitchen. She's, she's the consummate host. Martha's the older sister. It's, it's mentioned that they're in Martha's house. And so she's a, a good hostess and and she's the picture here is, is one, is a, she's a highly efficient lady. And you never find Mary in the kitchen. I think Mary perhaps would have been all thumbs in the kitchen. And, and Mary was the contemplator, not the cooker. And while Martha, she's busy preparing this meal, it's easy for Martha to express her love for Jesus. That way she's serving in the kitchen. But Mary, being the younger sister... And Mary's perhaps living in the shadow of Martha and maybe doesn't have some of the ability, I don't know, and, and reading into some of that. But we do know Mary's the younger one. But Mary, she sits there. Mary, her heart is filled with love and gratitude as she listens to Jesus. And she looks over beside Jesus and she sees her brother. He was not sick he was dead. And here he is alive. And Mary's so filled with gratitude that she just starts crying out, I've got to do something. But what can I do? I'm sure she was perhaps intimidated by others' efficiency. And I can imagine her thinking to herself, oh, I wish there was something that I could do. I want to tell you, when you love, when there's true, real love, love has to do something. Service for the Lord is nothing more than the overflow of a heart filled with love and gratitude for what Jesus has done. I didn't mention it, I don't think, this morning, but I had in my notes that there are a, a few ways, reasons, and motives in serving the Lord. One is, I serve Him because I love Him. And number two, what we saw this morning, we can serve them because we're, 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 we live with the fear of God, the awe of God. We can't get over who he is. Mary says, I've got to do something. And she remembers, ah, I have this alabaster box, a year's worth of wages, and she takes it out. She comes in that room. The house is filled with people, and she's committing, again, this social grace. But it doesn't occur to her that this is something maybe I should seek permission for. She's oblivious to anyone else who's there. And all she sees is her brother who's resurrected to life. And she sees Jesus who is the resurrection and the life. And she comes and falls at the feet of Jesus and she breaks that bottle of costly perfume and it begins to anoint the, the head of Jesus. And Jesus said, I like what she has done because she has done what she could. You see, all God demanded of her was simply what he in the first place, had given to her. The Lord demands nothing more from you than what he himself has given to you in the first place. So do what you can. I know too many churches that tend to exalt and magnify people who have abundant ability and talent. 
I'm convinced that most Christians sit Sunday after Sunday looking at the stars. You know, it was the star system that killed Hollywood. And it kills churches as well if we're not careful. Most believers sit out there and they say, there's nothing I can do. I can't sing like that, can't play the piano like that, can't speak like that. There's nothing I can do. Well, the only thing that God expects from you is that which you can do. And there is something that everybody can do. You say it's not much. You let Jesus decide that. After 40 years in the backside of the desert, Moses was completely stripped of all position, power, prestige. And he was just asked by God, what is in your hand? And the Lord said to Moses, and, and uh, Moses said to the Lord, it's just a rod. It's not worth anything. But when God gets in on it, that rod becomes something pretty amazing. Amen. David went out against Goliath. All he had was a slingshot and five smooth stones. The widow whose husband had left her with the huge indebtedness and the, and the tax collectors and the, the debt creditors, predators were about to drag away her sons to pay off the debt. Well, here comes Elisha, the prophet, and told, um, she told him of her plight, and he says, so what do you have? She said, there's a famine in the land, and we have to come up with something to turn into cash and pay off the debts. What do we have that we could sell? And she said, thy handmaid hath nothing in the house save a pot of oil, just a pot of oil. That's all. And that was kind of as an afterthought she mentions that. Almost a shame to mention it's just so worthless, a pot of oil. And Elisha said, I'll tell you what, you tell your boys to go to the neighbors and borrow some vessels. And I like the way the King James puts it, tell them to borrow not a few. Why? Because you give me a little pot of oil and God who's not limited can do the impossible. Oh, his name was Andrew. He comes to Jesus when the 5,000 are dropping off from heat and exhaustion and starvation. He says, here's a little lad with just a little lunch. He has five loaves and two fishes. But what is that among so many of us? Kind of seemed like a fall festival right there, didn't it? Have you ever felt that way? You just don't know what to do. We don't have enough. What do you do? You do what you can. You just do what you can. Whatever God places in your hand, that's all that he demands of you. God will never demand more than he provides, and he'll always provide exactly what he requires. Now, sometimes he may ask more of you than what you have, but what he wants you to do is take what you do have and trust him and obey, and then many times he'll give the overflow. You do what you can. It may not seem like much, but you let God do the evaluating. Everyone in that room thought she had what she had done was wrong and was not worth doing, but Jesus over, overruled them all. So you do what you can. Number two, notice in verse number eight, she hath done what she could. So number one, do what you can. Now listen, number two, do that much. Do that much. The implication is that she had not only done what she could, but she had done all that she could. 
You do what you can, but you make sure you do that much. She broke the box. It is significant that when she broke it, she had to pour it all out. She didn't have a Ziploc. She didn't come out with a little measuring spoon and measure out a few drops. She wasn't trying to be rational or logical. She was trying to be practical. Practical in the sense of it's all or nothing. In the back of her mind, there could have been the thought that things might get bad. I'm not always going to be young. I need some security in the declining years of my life. But she gave no thought of that. I want to tell you, love does not think that way. It is extravagant. She broke it and she poured it all out. There was not a drop left in the alabaster box. I want to ask you a question tonight. Are there any drops left in your alabaster box? You say, well, I've prayed. I've been praying. Well, have you prevailed? You've done what you can in praying, but have you done all that you can to keep on praying? Well, I've done something, but have you done all that you know to do? I, I go to church, but do you just go on your terms? I'm convinced that God does not judge me on the basis of so much of what I have done, but on what I could have done. Not so much on what I have accomplished, but rather on what I could have accomplished. Not so much on what I've become, but what I could have been if I had given God the opportunity and used the opportunities God gave me in my life. Perhaps the thing that disheartens me the most is to watch people make decisions that will uh, cause them to miss out on the greater blessings because they forfeit the greater opportunities for God to use them. And they only settle with sideline Christianity. I must confess to you that I believe tonight as I stand here, the greatest sin of my life is that I have not done all Amen. I can. Amen. It's easy to settle for just a little bit. As long as the people are satisfied, that's enough. As long as there's some preachers that, that give good accommodation, that's enough. I want to say, no, it's not enough. The question is, is Jesus satisfied with my life? The question is, is Jesus satisfied with your life? You've heard me say, the easiest place in all the world to be lazy is to be in the ministry as a pastor or a church worker for that matter. Because you, you can fly under the radar screen like so many uh, have done. You don't punch a clock. Nobody tells you when to come and when to go. And, and, and there's no one to evaluate your kind of work that you're doing. And, and we can settle for so little time and just be there on Sunday. I had a pastor I was preaching for in Virginia and he was telling me about a man who had come to the Christmas program and, and, uh, and the pastor went and visited him after the Christmas program because he visited. And the pastor said, do you have any questions about our church or anything? And the man said, yeah, when you preached, he said, you got awfully angry. 
And he said, I thought it was kind of uh, strange that you get angry, that angry when you only work one day a week. <laughs> well, that's the perception. We settle for so little. It's not important whether you've really prayed through that lesson, whether you've really studied it, whether you walk into that class with a message from God, if you're just going to settle. As long as the people are satisfied, that's all that matters. But what does Jesus think? It's not enough just to make, make it past the approval of people. It's whether or not Jesus is satisfied. So the point is, make sure... You do what you can, but do that much. Number three. Still with me? Look at verse number six again, Mark 14. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Do what you can. Do that much. Number three, do it now. Do it now. He then makes a unique statement. He says in verse number eight, she hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Isn't that interesting? Jesus wasn't dead. And he gave no evidence of being sick or ill. That would be like me coming up to Brother Rice and saying and to Brother Rice, I'd like to talk to you after the service. And after the service, Brother Rice, do you have a few minutes? And he says, sure. And I said, Brother Rice, I'd like to go buy you a casket. Any particular preference you have on your casket? You say, well, that'd be a rather strange conversation. He said, Brother Rice would say, I'd rather have a suit than a casket. Well, sure, you need a new suit to be in your new casket. <laughs> you just say, this is strange. Well, you've got to remember, that's kind of the thought here when Jesus says, here's what she's doing. She's thinking about my funeral. He said she anointed my body beforehand for the burial. Why would he say that? Because one week later, Jesus was dead. If you had been lurking outside the sepulcher that first Easter morning, early through the mist, you could have made out the figure of some woman coming down the path. You come out and you ask these women, where are you going this early morning? They would say, we're going to the tomb of Joseph. Our Lord is buried there. What is it that you're carrying? Oh, well, these are the spices. These are the perfumes. These are the ointments for the burying. When our Lord died, the Roman soldiers guarded him, wouldn't let anybody near him because there's a rumor that somebody would, would snatch his body, steal his body so that he would never be anointed for burial. So we're going this morning hoping we can convince the soldiers just to roll the stone away so we can do it because it doesn't seem right for him to be buried without being anointed and so they go on. 
Perhaps you drop in behind these women and you follow them. And after a while, you find yourself standing in front of that tomb. There's no use in asking the soldiers to roll the stone away because plainly you can see it has already been rolled away. And you follow the women inside and there's nobody there. Jesus is gone. But we brought spices to anoint him. But too late, you should have done it a week ago. To me, the interesting thing is if Mary had not anointed his body a week ahead of time, his body would have never been anointed for the burying. Jesus knew that. Friends, whatever you do, do it now. You say next week, next week may be too late. Too many people hop around from church to church to church and dabble here and dabble there. In a sense, what we're doing is We're putting off the experience, the reality of God now. We should be prepared people trying to prepare people for dying. I know we're preparing them for living too, but you aren't really ready to live until you are ready to die. You say, well, I will prepare him for dying, but I don't want to bring up the subject I'll wait. It might be too late. The thing that intrigues me is that Jesus said, she hath anointed my body for the burying. Notice that Jesus' interpretation of what she did. I think Mary may have been surprised by it all as well. I don't think Mary came out of there consciously to anoint his body for the burying. She didn't know what he was up to at that particular moment. I don't think she knew he was going to die in a week. But Jesus says, let her alone. She hath anointed my body For the burying. That teaches me that sometimes when we just do what Jesus tells us to do, we don't have to have all the information. And we don't have to have any idea necessarily as to what we're doing. Mary had no idea the great significance of what she was doing to her. It seemed like a ridiculous, stupid, senseless act. Because that's what the others were telling her. Yet far beyond that simple act of obedience, there was true meaning. I'll tell you, church, many things God asks us to do, we don't necessarily know at the time all that it is going into on the eternity side of it as to what we're doing. Beyond that simple act of obedience lies a meaning and an interpretation known only to God. I think someday when we stand in his presence and makes all things known, we'll be highly surprised at the repercussions of some very little, insignificant, seemingly simple things that we did. The reason I had us read from both accounts is that Mark said, I don't know if you called it, Mark said she anointed his head. John said she anointed his his feet. Well, my question is, which is right? Which is Same incident. Well, either she anointed both his head and feet, which is probably what happened, or she anointed his head and the oil ran down his body and it got on his feet. Anyway, she anointed his feet. As she kneels before him, John says she does something. She sees that costly perfume as it dropped from his feet onto the floor. And in her haste, she wasn't thinking perhaps very clearly. She didn't bring a towel. 
Have you been in those events? I had some, I knew it was going to be a late night last night when we flew in from Christie's preaching engagement. And we landed and I said, I need coffee. And uh, I, got, I got a lot still to do. And so they made me some coffee and they filled it up. And, um, and I tried with my left hand, which is a little bit stronger, and I tried to bring it to me uh, very carefully. Instead, I just christened all of the table, all of the side of the couch, all of my lap. And the only thing we were asking for was bring the towels, bring the towels. And uh, so perhaps nobody was there to bring a towel. So what does Mary do? She reaches over her shoulder. She grasped that long black hair that was so customary among those women in that day and she pulls it over her shoulder and she makes a towel out of her hair. She begins to wipe the perfume from the feet of Jesus with her hair. Now stay with me. Something happens. The scripture says that when she did that, the house was filled with the fragrance. When she wiped his feet with her hair, the fragrance that was on Jesus was now on her. When she poured out on, what she poured out on Jesus suddenly returned to her and she smelled just like her Lord. I want to tell you that whatever you pour out on Jesus will always come back to you. You can tell when you're around someone who's poured out their life on Jesus. Why? Because they have a particular fragrance about them. There's a particular perfume in their life. Whatever you pour out on Jesus, it will come back to you. Listen to me. Jesus simply says, do what you can. Do that much. But let's do it now. Let's stand together, please.